Thursday, May 2nd, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado. You know, if you are tired of the same old sports talk, the arguments, the callers, the same old subjects again and again, wherever it is that you listen to your sports talk, hang out here for a while. You're going to like it a little bit better try to touch on a number of different subjects and we try to talk sports with a dose of common sense hey happy thursday to you and happy birthday to a very memorable player in the world of basketball because you might not realize this but silk was actually born on april 2nd back in 1953 yes jackson keith wilkes who would later change his name to jamal abdul latif of course he just went by jamal wilkes he turns 66 today. You know, Jamal Wilkes grew up in Ventura, California. He would eventually play for John Wooden at UCLA and then go on to play a number of years in the NBA. He played for the Golden State Warriors. He played for the Los Angeles Lakers. He even played briefly for the Los Angeles Clippers. But Wilkes was a four-time NBA champion. He scored more than 14,000 points in his career. And you know, John Wooden was once asked to describe his ideal player. And here's what he had to say. I would have the player be a good student, polite, courteous, a good team player, a good defensive player, a rebounder, a good inside player, and a good outside shooter. You know what? Why not just take Jamal Wilkes and let it go at that? Hey, coming from John Wooden, that's pretty high praise. If you'd like to contact the show, maybe tell us your favorite player. I don't know, that war number 52. We would love to hear from you. You can email us, dailydosports at gmail.com or reach out to us over on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at dailydosports. If you've got a suggestion, you've got a comment, maybe you have a question for us here at The Dose, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Also, be sure you do stop by tpublic.com and pick up some of the latest Daily Dose gear that is available over there. We have a number of items over at tpublic.com that you are going to want to stop by and check out. So make sure you stop by there. Hey, we've got a lot to get through today. We do have a few news stories coming out we need to discuss, but then we are going to be continuing our 2019 NFL draft grades. Yes, we know it's way too early. We're probably going to need three or four years to really see how all these players do, but at least we can look at each team, kind of see if they got some value at their various picks. We'll be getting to that in just a few minutes. But first off, we do have a couple of news stories we should probably touch on. And I guess the biggest one is the fact that federal prosecutors yesterday played a recording to a jury of a phone call in which former Arizona basketball assistant coach Emmanuel Richardson told aspiring agent Christian Dawkins that Wildcats head coach Sean Miller was paying star center DeAndre Ayton $10,000 per month while he was enrolled at Arizona. Prosecutors actually played the call in the courtroom, which was intercepted by wiretaps on June 20th, 2017 to that jury near the end of their case. Dawkins and Richardson were discussing how to recruit Aiton as a client to Dawkins Sports Management Company. During the same call, Richards and Dawkins discussed how much Richardson would be paid each month by Dawkins' new agency. Later on Wednesday, Dawkins was called to testify and said he didn't see anything wrong with paying college athletes. They are the only kids in college who can't get paid legally. There is a need for them to get paid. I don't think anything that's been discussed in either case is a crime. Now, if you'll remember, maybe you don't remember, but back in the 2017-2018 season, Sean Miller claimed he never had a conversation like the one Dawkins describes. 
Miller said, let me be very, very clear. I have never discussed with Christian Dawkins paying DeAndre Ayton to attend the University of Arizona. Well, now wiretaps have confirmed Sean Miller has been lying. I mean, I think we all kind of knew that. But doesn't it seem like we're getting a new addition to this whole recruiting scandal story every single week? Like last week, they were saying, hey, might not just be college basketball coaches. It could be college football coaches too. Got a number of programs over there that could be dirty. Now we have these taped conversations of Sean Miller doing something he swears he didn't do. And again, I think we mostly from the public just have a lot of apathy toward this. Like, who cares? We don't really care about this. Make sure we have our March Madness. Make sure college football doesn't get screwed up. But we don't really care about this stuff. And now we are already starting to hear from a number of people in the sports media on this subject, mostly former players, I will say that. And they are telling us again, hey, you guys shouldn't care about this. Who cares? If Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton to go to Arizona, I mean, who cares? These kids deserve to get paid. Miller shouldn't even get in trouble for this. And we as a sports public should not care about any of this because players deserve to get paid. They're not getting paid. They are the only ones not benefiting from what they do at these universities. Hey, the universities benefit, the college campuses benefit, the college presidents benefit, the coaches benefit, the TV stations benefit. Everyone gets something except for the players. We shouldn't care about this. And I understand that. I do think we need to rethink this whole college model. I'm not sure that it's working the way that it is. But at the same time, I look at this situation and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? You know who doesn't care if the players deserve to get paid? The FBI. They don't care one single bit if you think you deserve to get paid. There's a lot of people that think they deserve to get paid and the FBI puts them in jail too. So it doesn't really make any difference what we think or what we think players deserve because this isn't an NCAA issue. This is an FBI issue. And as a result, yeah, I don't know where this is going, but it sure doesn't look like it's going anywhere good. Sean Miller may end up in a lot of trouble and he may just be the first one out of the gate because more may be coming. Let's switch over a little bit to the NFL because it sounds like the number seven is going to be back in business by a Washington Redskins player this season. Yeah, for the first time since 1985, in fact, because yesterday, former quarterback Joe Theismann, the last player to wear number seven for the team, said that he spoke with new quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who of course was picked by Washington in the first round of last week's draft, and he gave his permission to wear the number seven jersey this season. Now, number seven actually isn't retired by the Redskins, but the number is one of several that the team, they kind of protect, they kind of hold on to it, and they don't really just let it go out into circulation. Sammy Baugh's number 33 is actually the only number that has been officially retired by Washington, but they have a few other numbers that they just kind of keep close. They don't let just anyone wear them. Here's what Theismann had to say, though. I just got off the phone with Dwayne Haskins a little while ago. I told him it was okay to wear number seven, giving him permission not that I felt I needed to, but he was respectful enough to ask. And also, I did give him permission to use my crutches and femur brace. Okay, I don't think he said that at all. That's not what Theismann said. He let him wear the jersey. More information, I swear, that comes in from the Daily Dose I-Team. Not sure if Rob was involved in that or not, but I don't think he said he could use his crutches or his femur brace. You know, not every single Washington quarterback gets their leg broken. 
Most of them, but not all of them. One other story coming out. It turns out that it is a really good thing that the Oakland Raiders drafted Alabama running back Josh Jacobs last week because while we all thought that he might kind of be part of a running back by committee sort of situation in Oakland, he might be the starter already and he hasn't even stepped on the field yet because last year's leading rusher for the Oakland Raiders, Doug Martin, he's still a free agent, so he's not even on the team. Marshawn Lynch has said he is retiring and on Tuesday, projected starting running back Isaiah Crowell blew his Achilles in a voluntary workout. Uh-oh, that's not good. He's going to undergo surgery today, and he is done for the season. Now, Crowell had just signed a one-year deal worth up to $2.5 million, but now that Raiders running back depth chart, yeah, it's getting a little bit thin, and Josh Jacobs legitimately might be the best running back on the roster at this point. But you know, couldn't you just see John Gruden like trading away Josh Jacobs already and then complaining about it all season when he doesn't have any running backs? Man, I like that guy, Josh Jacobs. But I think we all know draft picks are where the value is at, man. The draft is wild, man. We had to trade him. We had to go get a few more picks. I could totally see that coming. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Hey, speaking of the draft, coming back, the 2019 NFL draft did take place this last weekend. And one of our Daily Dose I-Team members, Big Rob, stopped by to help us hand out some way too early draft grades. We are going to continue with those draft grades when we get back. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, maybe you have a birthday coming in the month of May, and don't forget about Mother's Day in the month of May. Maybe you just want to buy something for yourself. You might as well head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. May's Loot Crate theme is now out, and it is called Nemesis. Dark forces are gathering in this month's crate. That's right, your nemesis is here. Shake your fist dramatically at a collection of villainous pop culture gear featuring nefarious ne'er-to-do-wells. May's Loot Crate theme features items from Jaws, Ghostbusters, and many other franchises, but if those franchises maybe don't interest you, remember, you can always go over to Loot Crate. You can choose from a number of different crates. And if you have a specific franchise in mind, trust me, they probably have a crate for that franchise. You can also order a monthly subscription of crates that will arrive in your mailbox every single month and you can always skip months if you don't like what's coming. Or you can just order individual items from whatever franchise you want and trust me, they have just about any franchise you can think of. But the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, just make sure you type daily dose in the coupon box we are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for tuning in to The Daily Dose. So all week, we have been talking with Daily Dose iTeam contributor Big Rob and handing out some way too early grades for the 2019 NFL Draft. So far, we have covered the AFC and NFC East and the AFC North, and we made it through most of the NFC North, but we were just finishing up the Green Bay Packers and starting in with those Minnesota Vikings. Let's jump back into that conversation right now. There is a team, though, over in that NFC North that could be interesting. I, I don't know exactly what to think about the Minnesota Vikings, though. I gave them a C-plus on their draft, but remember, they were Super Bowl or bust last year. They didn't even make the playoffs. And I know that we all blame quarterback Kirk Cousins. And of course, understandably, he was not very good. But his offensive line is terrible. 
the Vikings did go get North Carolina State guard Garrett Bradbury. He should help a little. Other than that, I don't know that they got a whole lot. I went C plus with the Vikings. What do you have? Uh, I've got them at a C. Okay. Um, actually, this entire division, everyone got C's for C's me. C's across the board. Yeah. Like nobody, nothing was really impressive. Like I said, I don't think they addressed the needs that they um, had. And um, yeah, just another average trap, really. Are, are the Vikings, is this, a, this has to be a playoff team, doesn't it? What, what in the world? It should be. Um, and like I said, in their defense, you know, from the draft, I mean, they've got enough talent as is, you know, to make yeah. a run. They should be in the, in, in the playoffs, you know, with the talent that they have on yeah. both sides of the ball. So they didn't have, you know, too many glaring needs, but like I said, it's, you know, basically just the same team. Um, but again, that, I mean, I think they do have enough talent to, to make the playoffs. You know, the crazy part about them, cause we do look at, you know, Kirk Cousins and how bad he was. And yes, he didn't have a lot of help offensive line, but he wasn't good either. But their defense, I think was probably even more disappointing to me. I know what I'm getting in Kirk Cousins. I know he's going to be average or whatever. Their defense took a step back last year and I didn't expect that. I thought they'd be good. Yeah, them and uh, Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, yeah, just too surprising. Like I said, kind of, you know, that was the the face of the team. The, the strength of the team was the defense. And both of those, yeah, took, you know, surprising steps back, I think. Speaking of Jacksonville, let's move on and let's go to the AFC South. Because last year, everyone is looking at those Jacksonville Jaguars as the favorite to win that AFC South. They go 5-11. and 11, And instead, the Indianapolis Colts and Houston Texans both make the playoffs instead. This division could be very, very tight this year. We've got a few interesting teams to take a look at here. Let's start with the Houston Texans. And the Texans are coming off that season. We see them win nine games in a row. They were rolling. They start off 0-3. They got things going. They were playing so well. And then they get in the postseason and they get pummeled, at not just by another team, by a division rival. The Indianapolis Colts go into their place and kick them around for a few quarters. The Texans need to rebuild that offensive line. Deshaun Watson doesn't have a lot of help. That offensive line is horrible. Maybe he could go get some skill positions or something like that. Somebody to surround that quarterback. The Texans got Alabama State offensive tackle Titus Howard, who I like, but I don't know if he's worthy of that high of a pick. 23? That, like, that seems, it seems like a little bit of a reach. They did go get another offensive lineman in the third round, but I don't know that they really address the issues they have. I have the Texans with a D plus. How do you have a, how do you have Houston right now? Uh, I gave him a C. Okay. Same point you mentioned. Like I said, um, I didn't think they really helped themselves with any of their picks. You know, like I said, they were okay. You know, a couple of them were okay. But like I said, overall, I, I don't see where they helped themselves. You know, I don't think they got better um, from any of the picks that they made. Well, and so many times we look at the draft and we see these, you know, these teams pick these players and they say, okay, well, I got him and I think he was a good value there. But then you don't look at what came after him. Right. Titus Howard is a probably a serviceable lineman. I think he's very, very athletic. I think he's a small school guy and people didn't know about him. But think of the people you passed up to get him. Maybe you could have gotten him later and gotten someone else in that slot. And because of that, I I don't know. I don't know if Houston addressed some of the things that they needed to. And I think that could end up biting them. We'll see what they end up doing. Houston, not that impressed with. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts because the Colts seem to be getting a lot of things right lately. And we were not thinking that just a few years ago. Last year, they don't look at the position. They take the best player on the board despite his position. Offensive guard Quentin Nelson helps to protect Andrew Luck. And all of a sudden, we're looking at the Indianapolis Colts and saying, wow, that's a playoff team. Where did that come from? And they go get Justin Houston in free agency. They trade out of the first round, and they still ended up getting some value. I've got the Colts with a B plus, but I could see even moving that up a little higher. How do you have the Colts? Uh, I'm right there with you. I got him a B plus as well. Um, and like I said, you mentioned it. I like that they traded down for more picks. I um, mean, I think they even have a couple picks 
next draft. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that they switched over to. Um, so I like that. Um, you know, best available player. Past couple of years, like you said, taking the best available. And if it's nothing there, you know, instead of reaching for somebody, you know, we'll trade this. We'll get a couple more picks. Yeah. So I, I liked it. I, I gave him a B plus. Well, and they trade down and they go get guys that still look like they're really good players. I mean, mm-hmm. Temple cornerback Rocky Asin, we talked about him a little bit last week. Second round, that's pretty good value. They go get Ohio State wide receiver Paris Campbell, another guy that maybe he can kind of play his way into, you know, getting some snaps, but they get him in the third round. Hey, that could end up paying off because one other thing we, you know, we, I didn't mention the Colts did also sign wide receiver David Funches in free agency, but I mean, we all know he can't catch. So the fact that you went and got someone else that can catch, maybe that's a pretty good move in my book. <laughs> Funches is not, doesn't have the best hands. No, no, that's yeah. And I don't know why. If you're an NFL wide receiver, go get the wide receiver gloves. Don't wear the oven mitts when it's game day because you, the ball goes right through them. Like you'd think, hey, yeah, I, I, you know, get pans and I get, you know, crock pots is that the ball, a football goes through them. It doesn't work as good as it sounds in the locker room. Probably sound like a good idea, but Funches, not the best hands. <laughs> That's a little bit of a struggle, but hey, Indy goes out and they make some good moves. I like what they did. Moving on to the team that was a huge disappointment last year. Rob talked about a minute ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And hey, they had to be thanking their lucky, I don't know, Jaguars foot on Thursday night when Kentucky linebacker Josh Allen falls to them at the number seven pick. I don't think they were looking at getting Josh Allen. I think they were kind of, okay, who are we going to go with? Josh Allen falls to them. They're probably like, seriously, we get him? Yeah, perfect. I like that pick. Uh, I gave him a B plus overall, not just him. They had a couple defensive picks throughout this that I liked, trying to, you know, bring that defense back to where it was, I guess, two seasons ago. Right. So like I said, yeah, because of that, like I said, all the defensive picks that they did, I do think that'll have a definite uh, immediate impact on their defense. So I gave them a B plus. Yeah, I've got them at an A minus. And you know, the interesting thing is going into the draft, there were a lot of people saying, hey, Jacksonville might be looking at Florida offensive lineman Juwan Taylor. He's very athletic. He's got a lot of, you know, skill, that kind of thing. They go get Josh Allen with their number seven pick. And then Juwan Taylor falls to them later. They get him too. They get both of those guys. He's at the number 35 pick. That's a nice pickup. I think the Jags actually had a very solid draft. Now, here is the ultimate question. We talked about him earlier. Can Nick Foles be a good quarterback in Jacksonville? I think so. We'll see. Like I said, he he was, you know, successful there in Philly. They're not going to ask him to do a lot, um, you know, because of that defense. So you have the more of the, the game managed type of situation, um, you know, which Foles does make good decisions. So I'm, it's definitely an upgrade from what they had. Because this is a defensive team, um, you know, he's not going to be asked to do a lot. So um, I think they'll be okay. Do you think that Nick Foles kind of just needed to learn the position under Doug Peterson? And maybe he maybe he just learned from his mistakes. He's he's grown as a player. It wasn't just that system. Maybe he learned how to be a quarterback. Yeah, system and it's just uh, confidence, you know, like. You know, I can do this actually seeing it. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you probably already believe in yourself, but just, you know, I have been the successful, you know, I have won a Super Bowl, you know, that confidence that that brings, you know, I, I think will help him. Yeah, I do too. Because, hey, Nick Foles was talking about retiring. Mm-hmm. He was done. He was like, I'm out. I don't think, like you talked about, his confidence, I think, was shot. I think he was finished. Peterson brings him in, puts him in a nice position, allows him to be successful in a situation where he can be successful. Hopefully he can take that down to Jacksonville because they really need some good quarterback play. And if they get it, they have some skill down there. They've got some things going down there. I worry a little bit about Leonard Fournette. I'm starting to worry that he's going to be kind of that prima donna that's complaining about everything. And it showed that a little bit last year. I'm not sure what to think of him. Seems like it. Um, and I'm worried about the injuries too. Um, yeah. Cause he's even going back to college. He's never been 
completely healthy. I feel like he's always kind of had something right. nagging, nagging injury. You know, it's not going to get any better, you know, in the NFL. So that's, you know, something that I'm keeping an eye on is, you know, just his health, if he's going to be able to make it you know, all the way through the season. Yeah. He's a talented guy. You just don't know if he's going to be on the field and you just hope that he, you know, doesn't put himself in a bad situation saying something dumb or doing something dumb because he really is a talented player. He's such a big, strong guy. He just takes a lot of hits. And I I think his body, you know, has shown that already moving to that last team in the AFC South. And that is the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans needed some help on that defensive line. Defensive line was not great. They may have gotten it, with Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, as long as his sister doesn't get into any more fights and then he's forced to, you know, go find the girl she's fighting with and punch her in the face a few times. But it's not just, it's not just that off field stuff. He's coming off of a torn ACL. I don't know that he's even going to play this next year. So it's a little bit of a risky pick, but they also didn't get much help for Marcus Mariota. And I feel like he needs some help. I gave the Titans a D. And I kind of like the Titans, but I, I didn't think that they gave Mariota much help. What do you have uh, for Tennessee? Uh, I got him at a B minus. Okay. Um, like you said, the Jeffrey Simmons pick, we'll see how that turns out. Hey, that, if that he's could go healthy, he could be a stud. Right. Um, and then I did like uh, A.J. Brown. They got him late. So a little bit of help, maybe, right. for Mariota. Um, so they tried uh, you know, to get what they needed. So I'm going to give him a B minus. Here's the thing that I'm wondering. And I don't know if you can do this. I don't know what the rules, what the rules are. But could they just draft maybe a full suit of armor for Marcus Mariota to wear? Because that guy, I really like Mariota. He can't stay healthy. He's such a slight guy. He is not a big. Right. You know, a lot of people talk about he's big boned. He is not. He is a slim guy. I just worry that the NFL is just too much for his body. Could be. Yeah. Um, like you said, he's, he's been, you know, banged up, nicked up every season now. Um, and looking like the season coming up, um, he's got some more hits coming his way. So I'd, yeah, I'm definitely concerned. Is, is this, are we do like a make or break year with Marcus? Is this like a, hey, step up and, and take this job or we got to go find someone else or do you, do you give him more time? Um, I think you give him more time. Um, like I said, a lot of that is injuries. He hasn't had a full, you know, I hadn't been, you know, completely healthy, but then like I said it could be, um, kind of like a, um, uh, Sam Bradford type situation right, where like right. a really good quarterback, but just really frail and, and, you know, just, just not, not built for the NFL right. game physically. Yeah. And it has the tools, has the mind, has mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, things that he needs to do this job, but physically you just can't hold up to it. And you just wonder about him because he's not the, the biggest guy. I don't know. I'd be running him out there in some sort of a body cast or something just to make sure if he's going to get hit, he's going to be packed up with the packing peanuts and the wrapping tape, something just to give him some cushion. He's a little guy. Help him out. Let's move on to the NFC South. And we're going to be talking about a quarterback here in a minute. You talked about Marcus Mariota. And you talked about it's not like he's going out and he's doing dumb things. He just physically, we're going to talk about a quarterback that is doing dumb things. But let's start off in that NFC South. You know, the NFC South, it seems like every year we see kind of the same thing in that division. Last year was New Orleans. They step up. They turn into like this really, really good team there. Super Bowl contender. They're right there. Before that, we saw Atlanta do that. Atlanta, hey, they're Super Bowl team. We didn't really expect that. They, before that, it was Carolina. We see one team step up and be way better than we thought. And we also see the other thing. Last year was Atlanta going backward. They mm-hmm. looked terrible. We saw Carolina take a step back. The year before, we saw New Orleans take a step back. I don't know what to expect from this division, except for one team. I know Tampa's going to be awful. Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> NFC South is really, really bizarre. Let's start off with those Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons take a huge dump last year. They're trying to bounce back. And one of the ways they could bounce back is beef up that defensive line. We know their defense is not very tough. 
So they went out and didn't address it whatsoever. That's, you know, there's that going. They did get Boston College offensive guard Chris Listrom, and I think he is a player. I'm not going to fault them actually for that because I think we talked about this earlier. Best player on the board, they took him. I think Listrom is a very, very good player. He probably plays on the offensive line for years to come. But at some point, they did need to kind of go get some defense, and they didn't do it. I have the Falcons at a D+. Plus. <laughs> we don't play around here, Rob. We don't Let's just see. hand out A's to everyone. I had him at a C. Okay. Uh, two offensive linemen. I like those two picks. Yeah. But like I said, they didn't address the defense at all. But this is primarily an offensive team. For sure. So like I said, because of that, um, we'll, we'll give them a C. Does giving Matt Ryan more weapons ever really equate to anything? Because he, he has a lot of weapons. He doesn't have all the wins that he probably should. It's not like we're looking at him like Dan Marino and so, man, if you just gave that guy. No, he has like the best receivers in the game and he still doesn't win that many games. It's really, really weird to me. Yeah, he does. Um, but like I said, I mean, they're, you know, that's the guy there. They paid him his money. So, I mean, he, they just got to keep giving all the help that he can get. Matty Ice. Matty Ice getting things done down there. <laughs> if only he had some help. Besides the greatest wide receiver in the entire league. If only he had more help, a <laughs> little more help than that would be nice. He just needs a few more weapons and they're going to turn things around. Let's move on from the Atlanta Falcons to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers really needed to probably upgrade that pass rush. They go get Florida State defensive end Brian Burns and he should help a lot. They did get Mississippi offensive tackle David Little. And they make an interesting pick here. They go get West Virginia quarterback Will Greer. I kind of like Will Greer. Not sure if he's going to get on the field, but he might get a chance to learn behind Cam Newton. I gave the Carolina Panthers a B. Where do you have Carolina? Uh, I got him as a B as well. I like the uh, Brian Burns pick. I thought was a good one. The Will Greer pick. I mean, they did need a backup, and they do need a backup quarterback. So yep. it's fine from that standpoint. Um, again, but he doesn't really fit that system. You know, nope. if Cam does go down, but I think he is a good quarterback. So this is someone that you may be able to, um, you know, trade out somewhere else. Sure. Um, or, or you end up changing it. And, and, you know, if it was a situation where Greer goes in, you tweak your system and, and you run what works best for him. I think Greer is a player. And maybe, am I crazy? You're a West Virginia fan. You saw him more than I did. I just think he's a gamer. He, I, he might not look that good on paper. Get him in a game. He wins games. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, yeah, I think he can play. Um, and like I said, that's why, you know, I, I the pick is okay. Like I said, it's, you know, they do need a backup so they can't tweak things like you said. Or like you said, this is someone, you know, that you can trade out, you know, someone during the season to get more value back that way. So I'm, I'm going to give them a B overall. You know, one other pick that it, it might kind of get lost. They got Florida running back Jordan Scarlett and they got him very, very late. He, I don't know that he's overly skilled, but he's a very, very tough kid. He's a very physical runner. Hey, sometimes you got to give Christian McCaffrey a break. Maybe he steps in. And, and he gives McCaffrey, you know, a spell here or there just to get him off the field. Cause McCaffrey is taking a ton of carries. He is not a huge guy. Yep. Doesn't seem to take big hits, but I wish maybe Carolina would have got a few more receiving targets. Maybe, you know, do a little more in that regard just to get Cam Newton some more targets to throw to. But yeah, I thought Carolina was okay. We're going to go on to a team though that I did not care for. I did not like their draft. And let's go to those New Orleans Saints because the Saints, of course, are coming off that missed call in the NFC Championship game that allows the Los Angeles Rams to beat them and go on to the Super Bowl. Now, the Saints can complain about that missed call, and I understand it. They blew that call, no question about that. But the fact is that defense did let them down on that ensuing drive. So you might want to go get some defensive help. Maybe you go get another wide receiver or tight end because we know Michael Thomas is literally the only wide receiver on the field. That's it, yeah. And somehow he still gets open. Mm -hmm. I give him a ton of credit, but I would think they would go you know, do something like that. Unfortunately, the Saints didn't have a first round pick because they went to get defensive end Marcus Davenport last year, who hasn't even seen the field yet because he's still coming off that knee injury. 
I mean, they got Texas A&M center, Eric McCoy. They got a couple of safeties. I'm giving the Saints an F. I don't like their draft whatsoever. Uh, D minus. C. D minus for me. Um, like you said, they didn't help themselves at all. I didn't think at any positions, especially defensively. I would like to see more defensive pickups yeah. here. And they just didn't address it at all. And, you know, the pick from last year also hurt them. So kind of put them, you know, behind the eight ball this year. But yeah, I didn't like it at all. Well, and that pick last year, and I think we even talked about last year, Davenport may be a talented guy. He went to Texas San Antonio, but they spent a lot to get him. Mm -hmm. Hey, he better be really, really good. Like when he does finally hit the field, you better be able to spot him because they gave up a lot for him. And they basically gave up most of last year's draft and this year's too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, that was the thing. He kind of set him back this year as well. Said he hasn't, you know, seen the field yet. Yeah. Like I said, overall, I, I thought it was a bad draft for them. Yeah, I know. Don't care for what the Saints did. We we give our first just plain F. No F pluses. Not getting cute. Just pure F. Saints draw an F here. Let's move on to a team that I don't particularly like, but I kind of like their draft because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to get better probably in all phases, but especially defensively. Defensively, they're really bad. Their selection of LSU inside linebacker Devin White, that should help them a lot. I give the Buccaneers an A-. minus. What do you have for Tampa Bay? Uh, I give them a B+. Plus. Uh, okay. Like you said, I thought the Devin White pickup was great, and then I felt like they really addressed their secondary and their defense yep. with their picks, and which they needed to. Jameis, we don't know what's going to happen with them, so Oof. you know it's tough to say offensively you know, what they should have addressed because you really don't know what – you know, I don't know what's going to, you know, what Jameis is going to do. Um, but like I said, I think they focused on the secondary and the defense. And uh, because of that, yeah, I, I give him a B plus. I don't think Jameis knows what Jameis is going to do, <laughs> to be honest. If you can't, Bruce Arians, I mean, the guy is the quarterback whisperer, oh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that has transformed careers of quarterbacks. He mm-hmm. has worked with some of the best ever, ever mm-hmm. best quarterbacks. If he can't get Jameis to figure things out, Jameis Winston's going to be a washout. Yeah, nobody can. Like you said, if it, yeah, if he can't get it done with Bruce Arians, that's yeah, it's, it's not going to get done. You know the frustrating thing about Jameis is if you just talk to him, you would think here's a kid that gets it mm-hmm. because he says all the right things. He just doesn't do any of them <laughs> ever on the field, off the field. It makes no difference. He does everything that you wish he wouldn't, but he says. Coach, I just want to be the best ever. I just want to. He is a coach killer because you look at him and you're like, he has all the tools. He's a big, strong kid. He can make all the throws. Just is a moron. Yeah, good guy. Uh, like I said, leader. You know, locker room. Uh, you always hear good things. You know, from yeah, the players and stuff, to, the staff yeah. and everybody. But yeah, just for whatever reason on the field, he just can't put it together consistently. Remember when he was yelling something in the huddle about eating a W? <laughs> what? What in the world is he doing? I don't. Uh, Jameis, just go study your playbook some more. Do some more film work, something. He's got talent. Yeah. He's just a knucklehead. I don't know what you do with Jameis Winston, but I think it is, you know, I don't know if Marcus Mariota's clock is ticking, but Jameis Winston's is ticking. And if Bruce Arians can't pull it out of him, no one can. Yep. Because that guy is a really, really good coach. Tampa's going to be kind of interesting to watch just for that reason. Because I want to see what he does with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, And especially in this division, like you said, because it, you know, it can go anyway. Yep. Yeah, you could. You they could win the whole thing oh, if yeah. they could put some things mm-hmm. together. I just don't know that Jameis is that guy that's going to put anything together. Hey, tomorrow on the dose, we will of course be covering the biggest stories in the world of sports, and then we will be finishing up our NFL draft grades. Yes, the AFC and NFC West are coming tomorrow, and trust me on this, you do not want to miss that. I say thank you all so much for listening to the Daily Dose every day. Thank you so much for the feedback. Thank you so much for the questions and the suggestions. Most of all, thank you so much for sharing the show. We appreciate that so much. I have to say thank you to JSP. 
could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.